0: Jerry wants to know, how would someone who is plant-based still have high cholesterol?
1: There are plant-based sources of saturated fat, specifically coconut oil, and that's been kind of trendy of late. If coconut oil has kind of snuck into your diet, just know that that plant-based source of saturated fat can, in fact, potentially increase and worsen your cholesterol levels.
0: Gonna be kind of a quick hitting, fast show today, but it's a show filled with all kinds of questions and answers guaranteed to raise our collective nutrition IQs. Today we are gonna be opening up the Doctor's Mailbag with doctors Vanita Rahman and Dr. Jazz, Dr. Jasmine Sardana. These are answers to your questions and great questions they are. Today we're gonna be talking about intermittent fasting. And weight loss, going to be talking about diet myths, what's true, what's not, fad diets, weight loss, nutrients, best foods, worst foods. And we're also going to be breaking down coconut oil and palm oil or no oil at all. Is there such a thing as a healthy oil? We're going to be getting into that with the doctors as well. Plus, we're going to be getting a check on health headlines, including a look at a meat packing plant out in Colorado that is now having a second outbreak of coronavirus cases among its employees. Going to be talking about that in just a little bit. But first, let's go ahead and raise our nutrition IQs together as we open up the doctor's mailbag with Drs. Ramon and Sardana. Dr. Rahman, let's start with you today. This first question is about intermittent fasting and it comes to us from Lana. She wants to know, should we use intermittent fasting for optimal health or will it cause muscle loss?
2: Yeah, so this is such a hot topic right now. I'm glad you're asking this, Lana. There's been a lot of research done on it. Um, so Uh, Let me start by saying we're still learning more about intermittent fasting, but there is some evidence that it can be effective in weight loss, maybe in lowering uh, blood glucose levels. However, we're also getting some other research showing that it doesn't really make a difference. For example, a research study came out of UCSF School of Medicine recently that showed that intermittent fasting didn't lead to any uh, different levels of weight loss compared to not fasting. So the jury's still out, but I think here's the most important thing about intermittent fasting. First of all, um, think of it as uh, you know a- an adjunct to eating a healthy, low-fat plant-based diet. That's the most important thing we can do for our health. And then the intermittent fasting is just a little bit of extra if you want to do it. And if you're going to do it, make sure that you restrict the time that you eat towards the earlier part of the day rather than the latter half of the day.
0: All right, thank you for that. Next question, we're gonna go over to Dr. Jazz for this one, Dr. Sardana. This question comes to us from Jerry. Jerry wants to know how would someone who is plant-based still have high cholesterol?
1: Yes, so we see this um, often—not too often—but I have seen it in our clinic where patients are vegan, are plant-based, and still are puzzled by their lipid profiles that they get. So, um, to those patients, I often ask, and I wonder—you know—there are the reasons why LDL or bad cholesterol, as we uh, as we call it. Um, is raised. And oftentimes it's because it's related to the saturated fat that we find in meat, uh, in dairy and cheese products. Um, And there are, however, plant-based sources of saturated fat, specifically coconut oil. And that's been kind of trendy of late. Coconut oil can do all sorts of things. And so if coconut oil has kind of snuck into your diet, just know that that plant-based source of saturated fat can in fact potentially increase and worsen your cholesterol levels and specifically your LDL. So I would um, ask them to take a really good look at your diet and make sure that you're not getting any plant-based sources of saturated fat.
0: Dr. Ramon, let's follow up with that. We have a question here from Charlene asking about oil. Charlene wants to know which is worse, coconut oil or palm oil? So many vegan spreads, as Dr. Ramon just said, have these oils in them. So which is the lesser of two evils?
2: Yeah. So they're both, uh, best avoided. And the reason for that is they're As Dr. Sardana just said, coconut oil is high in saturated fat, and so is palm oil. They're both what we call tropical fats, and they tend to be fairly high in saturated fat. Both will raise our cholesterol levels, so best to just stay away from them.
0: All right. Dr. Jazz coming right back to you. A question from Mark. He wants to know about working out. Mark says, I work out with weights about four times a week. Do I need to have higher intake of protein on those days or should I just keep it the same?
1: Yes. So there is this concept uh, that I write about called uh, an anabolic window where those who are weight training, um, after their weight training, they consume more protein foods because they feel that the their body is more sensitive to protein at that time because now they've worked out, they've kind of created these micro tears in their muscles. And so if we feed um, our body a lot of protein, they'll build their muscles more. And I'm not really sure that that concept has really been um, um, validated So I'm not really sure that timing of protein right after, uh, you know, a workout session that you need to get more of that is necessarily true. I think having, first of all, I should say that we focus a lot on protein and and getting a lot of protein when in fact, we're probably getting enough protein. Certainly, if you're, you know, building muscle and you're um, going through those exercises, you probably need a little bit more than the um, um, 0.8 grams per kilogram that's recommended. However, on average, most people are getting enough protein and I'm not sure that you need to time your protein intake for a, high, for a higher amount after a workout. I think having that consistent amount of protein, especially if it's plant-based proteins, um, tofu, tempeh, quinoa, brown rice, um, nuts and seeds, those are really great sources. So timing is not that great of an issue, big of an issue. I don't think I think having that consistently um,
0: um, is going to work even better. Protein, protein, protein. It's always about the protein on a plant-based diet. I've heard doctors say time and again on this show, the first question that patients often ask is, where do I get protein on a plant-based diet? Have you had that experience? Let me
1: think. (laughs) (laughs) Probably four or five times today. No, I get that question all the time, all the time, because we've there's so much messaging out there that they're the the only kind of protein that we know is chicken meat fish like that's all there is when it comes to protein and it's so important i love the fact that the exam room podcast um you know shuts that myth down because protein can absolutely come from a whole food plant-based diet and i you know shared a few with uh with you already but tofu is one of my favorites broccoli has an amazing amount of protein in it so it's absolutely possible to get protein on a whole food plant-based
0: diet I love that. I love the fact that you are here to help raise our nutrition IQ, spread on that nutrition (laughs) knowledge. I love it so much. Uh, We got another question for you coming up in just a little bit, but Dr. Rahman, I wanna ask this one to you. It comes to us from Ray. This is a very popular vegan uh, food that is in stores right now. Wants to know about Just Egg. Uh, He says, is the vegan Just Egg actually healthy? More specifically, if there are some ingredients that I can't pronounce on vegan substitutes, should I even be eating them at all? So what do you think about Just Egg?
2: Yeah, I am so glad you asked this because these, uh, you know, substitute foods have really taken off. So uh, the idea behind Just Egg is a plant-based version of that egg flavor. Uh, So it is better than eating a traditional egg because it is cholesterol-free. It is more humane. It's better for the environment. So However, its nutrition profile isn't that great. If you look at the ingredients of just egg, the top three ingredients are water, uh, mung bean protein isolate, and oil. And there's a fair amount of oil in there because about 65% of the calories in just egg are coming from fat. So much higher than it should be. So if you're craving that eggy taste like you want scrambled eggs, try a scrambled tofu instead. It's much more natural, much more balanced, um, and uh, likely to satisfy more.
0: Outstanding. I love that one so much. A Matter of fact, let's stick with you right now. We have a question from Meyer, wants to know, chia seeds versus flax seeds, which is the omega-3 king?
2: Ah, They are tied. They're both great. So they're both excellent sources of omega-3s. And we don't need a lot, just two teaspoons a day of either will give both men and women all the omega-3s we need. So a little bit goes a long way.
0: Outstanding. All right, Dr. Jazz, let's bounce over to you. All right. So previously I've asked you to put on your mom hat and your doctor's coat at the same time. So I hope that you have your mom hat handy once again, because we have a great question here from Megan. She writes that I have two children who are ages seven and nine. Should I be concerned about their fat intake from avocados, olives, foods such as that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, oftentimes as adults, when we um, talk about a whole food plant-based diet, we really do talk about the importance of having a low-fat whole food food plant-based diet. Now with children, that's going to be a little bit different. And I encourage you, um, you know, to continue this conversation with your child's pediatrician. It really does depend on your child, right? Is your child overweight, obese? Are there medical conditions that your child may have? And if you think that that might be a potential issue, you may need to have this discussion about limiting some of these calorically dense, um, albeit plant-based foods, still limiting them. However, if your child doesn't have those issues um, and, um, you know, is otherwise healthy, I think incorporating nuts, seeds, avocados um, are healthy, healthy um, 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 foods to incorporate into
0: your diet, uh, child's diet. Outstanding. Dr. Rahman, coming over to you, another question about cholesterol. Hot topic today. This one comes to us from Gary. He writes, I have a total cholesterol of 94, but my HDL is just 36. So how can I raise my HDL?
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, Gary, those are terrific cholesterol numbers. Your total cholesterol is less than 150, which is what we're targeting. And what happens when our total cholesterol levels go down is it's very normal for our HDL cholesterol levels to go down. And that's because there's just so little cholesterol in our bloodstream. So that is not a problem. And those numbers look great. And we've seen that in this research studies that People with really low total cholesterols will also have low HDL cholesterols. So when they're both trending low, it's not a problem.
0: Dr. Jazz, bouncing back over to you. This is a great question. Smoothies, always a hit in uh, most households here, especially if you have the Vitamix. This one comes to us from Aftab, wondering specifically about green vegetables and are they good for diabetes? What about green vegetable smoothies in particular?
1: Oh good. Yes. Green vegetables, yes. They're absolutely wonderful for diabetes. They're wonderful for lots of reasons, um, including the fiber content that's in our green vegetables, right? So when there's fiber rich, when you have a fiber rich diet that helps to normalize and level out your glycemic index, it helps to normalize your blood sugars. Um, So incorporating leafy green vegetables for lots of reasons, including the fiber and antioxidant levels is really important for diabetes. Now the question, second half of that question is whether or not putting them into smoothies is healthy um it can be it really depends on what else is going into that smoothie so is there you know full fat yogurt are you using um you know ice cream or you know other things that might be more calorically dense or less healthy, and could that potentially counteract uh, counterbalance some of the benefits that you' you're getting from your green vegetables. So if you're putting green vegetables in a smoothie just to mask the flavor with other things that are not as healthy, that's not a good thing to do. Um, but if you're using it and making a smoothie smoothie with you know ice water, Uh, frozen fruits along with some of those green vegetables. I think that can be uh, lovely. And also another tip is that when you're drinking smoothies is to take your time drinking them. It's really easy to down a really delicious smoothie really quickly, but to get that full benefit of the fiber and the satiety that you get from that is to take your time
0: drinking that smoothie as well. Really? So you absorb more of the fiber if you drink it slowly. Is that what you're saying here?
1: No, well, it takes time, right? So our brain and our stomach, right? So as we're eating, it's the same thing with eating our food is if you eat really fast, you can really overshoot that period where your brain realizes that you're full. And all of a sudden, you've eaten like three, four, 500 calories more than you probably would have had you just slowed down. Um, So it's really about the timing
0: gotcha all right good clarification good answer as well dr ramon coming over to you another diabetes related question this one comes to us from mike mike has something called maturity onset diabetes of the young he says he's 24 he just received that diagnosis wants to know whether or not that can be cured like type 2 diabetes with the plant-based diet
2: yeah so let's just clarify this for everyone there generally two types of diabetes, type one and type two. Type one is caused by um, inflammation in the pancreas. So the pancreas slowly lose the ability to make insulin. And so our blood sugar levels go up and people with type one diabetes usually are diagnosed in childhood and then they need lifelong insulin because their pancreas simply doesn't make any more. With type 2 diabetes, it's usually uh, more common, about 90% of people in the U.S. have type 2. It's usually diagnosed in middle ages. Uh, And in this case, due to lifestyle or nutrition, the pancreas makes insulin, but it slowly becomes less and less effective. And with time, insulin production drops too. So these patients do not always need insulin. Now, the, the question here is about maturity onset um, diabetes of the young. What that refers to is type 1 diabetes being diagnosed in an adult, which sometimes we see. And, um, you know, from if we extrapolate the data from type 1 in children, we know that they do need insulin lifelong. And so we can make that same inference for adults that they will need lifelong insulin. They, we can't just reverse it with lifestyle and diet. However, we can reduce the amount of insulin they may need. So whatever insulin they take in will work better if they're eating a low-fat plant-based diet. So in that sense, it can be quite helpful.
0: Outstanding. Thank you very much for that. Let's head over to Dr. Jazz once again. Dr. Jazz, Candy lives in a divided household. She writes, my husband wants to try keto, but I like a whole food plant-based diet. So help me please, is there a happy medium?
2: Oh wow,
1: between <laughs> a plant-based diet. Wow, that's that's almost like opposing political parties in the same house. That's a tough one. Um, you know, I'm not sure that there's necessarily a happy medium. Certainly, there is a possibility of mixing whole food, uh, doing a keto version of a whole food plant-based diet, where you're getting the majority of your uh, the majority of your calories are coming from um, plant-based fats like avocados, seeds, and nut butters and limiting the amount of carbohydrates in your diet. Um, You know, as Dr. Rahman mentioned earlier too, I think she may have touched on this, um, um, that a keto diet is one in which short in, you know, immediately those benefits are awesome, right? We can reverse, uh, you know, control our blood sugars with a keto diet. We we have weight loss benefits from a keto diet, but as far as sustainability and long-term benefits and potential consequences, um, it's probably not the best. So but what we do know from a whole food plant based diet is one in which that it can be sustained. And the long term benefits, I mean, the whole food plant based diet is the gift that keeps on giving, it can not only help to reduce your weight and improve your blood glucose levels, improve your blood pressure levels, it can do all sorts of wonderful things. So while there could be a possibility of doing a a keto version of a whole food plant based diet, it's probably really tricky to do. And and again, similarly, tough to sustain. Uh, So my recommendation is really come together and consider if you can pull him, uh, you know, towards that plant-based end of that spectrum and helping to explain that maybe uh, some of the benefits that he may be expecting from a keto diet uh, might be counteracted again, right? And undone in the long term. And so for both of you as a married couple, you're looking at the long term. And for the long term, the whole food plant-based diet wins
0: out. All right, Dr. Jazz, I want to stick with you because Valerie has a follow-up question to our protein question from earlier in the show. Straight up, Valerie wants to know how much protein do we actually need?
1: Yeah, so it depends on if you're um, male or female, if you're a woman or a man, and it's roughly about 0.8 grams per kilogram. And Dr. Ramon can jump in if there's more that she'd like to add, but that's roughly what we uh, estimate. So that runs, I think that's roughly about 48 46 grams, per, uh, you know, on average for women, and maybe a little bit more for men. maybe 50, 53 uh, for men. But what we realized is that, again, most Americans are, you know, hitting that target and going beyond it. Um, so I'm not sure that that's going to be as big of a concern if you really sit back and look um, at the amount of protein that you're getting.
0: Dr. Ramon, what is your take on protein requirements? Uh, that sounds pretty spot on to me. Any anything to add to that?
2: Yeah. So uh, Dr. Sardana is right uh, about the amount we need. Another way I like to think of it is we only need about 10% of our daily calories to come from protein. And then if we look at the four major food groups, uh, vegetables, legumes, grains, and fruit, fruits are pretty low in protein, about they're around 5%. But vegetables, anywhere from 10 to 50%. Whole grains, 10 to 15%. And legumes, about 20 to 50%. So unless we're just limiting our plant foods to fruits, we will get plenty of protein in our diet.
0: I think Dr. Sardana said her favorite protein was soy. She loves that tofu. Uh, What is yours? What's your go to?
2: Oh, I have so many. How do I pick? Uh, I, love, I love lentils, uh, I love grains, uh, and I love soy too. So uh, it just, I go with whatever I'm craving and I aim for variety. That way it never gets boring.
0: That is the name of the game. So speaking of variety, I know that it's been said on the show that you need to eat a variety of foods to have a healthy gut. So SL has a question here, wants to know, is a vegan diet gut bacteria friendly or not?
2: Yeah. So again, this is a very hot topic. A lot of research going on about the gut microbes. Uh, for those who are not familiar, we have trillions of microbes that live in our gut and they play a very key role in our health. Now, what we know is that our gut microbes eat what we eat. And when we eat plant-based foods, uh, the populations that thrive with those foods, uh, grow, and the ones that don't thrive with them go down in numbers. And we know that as those populations change, that's better for our health. So eating a plant-based diet populates our gut with bacteria that are much healthier for us than eating an animal-based diet.
0: Coming over to you now, Dr. Jazz, let's stick with the gut region here. Aria wants to know whether a plant-based diet can help avoid diverticulitis. Oh, great question. So
1: let's go back and kind of figure out and talk about what diverticulitis is. So about two thirds of Americans, two thirds of Americans, by the time that they're age 60, um, have diverticulosis. So diverticulosis in your colon is essentially little outpouchings. Um, of the colon that come out, they look like little pockets. And sometimes those diverticuli can get stool or food kind of stuck in there and can become infected. And that can turn into diverticulitis, which is an infection of the diverticuli. Or diverticulosis and inflammation of that area and you'll require antibiotics for some time which you know can have a potential effect on your gut um, and what we have found from epidemiologic studies is that the risk of diverticulosis and diverticulitis actually goes down um, if your diet is rich in fruits is rich in vegetables rich in whole grains and the risk actually goes up if you're consuming more red meat um, and things that are not whole foods and grains And so consuming a whole food plant based diet can certainly protect you from the complication from developing diverticulosis and the complications of potentially uh, an infection of the diverticuli as well.
0: All right, let's stick with you. Uh, Are you a fan of nightshades? We have an interesting question from Anne, who wants to know whether or not they can really affect arthritis. Are you familiar with any connection there?
1: Yeah, so um, with Oh, and then Chuck, I'm just going to jump back to that last question, because the key piece about the diverticulitis and the diverticulosis and the reasons why the whole grains, uh, fruits and vegetables, um, decrease the risk is because of fiber. And I can't not mention the fiber. So, you know, our American standard American diet is devoid of fiber, essentially. And so eating more of a whole food plant based diet that has that rich fiber, and it helps to reduce the constipation helps to reduce the pressure across the colon uh, helps to reduce the development of that. So just wanted to clarify that. And now uh, to jump to the nightshade. So I've heard this as well. I've heard this often kind of in relation to autoimmune conditions like arthritis, lupus, um, sarcoid, uh, uh, avoiding nightshade vegetables. So a couple of nightshade vegetables are eggplants, uh, tomatoes, those are the ones that come to mind immediately. And there is this um, notion that if you limit those vegetables, that um, you can help to control the inflammation related to these autoimmune conditions. So as far as I'm aware of, there really is not any data that can consist show that the reduction or not consuming these, um, you know, vegetables will help in those ways. I know that there's anecdotal evidence, but again, those are anecdotes and can't necessarily be generalized. Uh, so as far as I'm aware of, um, you know, there isn't any evidence to, um, you know, recommend
0: decreasing the consumption of these nightshade vegetables. Fiber, by the way, is the official nutrient of the exam room live and the exam room. podcast. I mean, there's just no, no doubt about it. It just needs to be, uh, okay. We have time for just a couple of more questions. Dr. Ramon coming over to you for this next one. It's a good one from Brian, uh, asking about vitamin E wants to know what is the healthiest way to get vitamin E because so many sources are high in saturated fat like nuts and seeds.
2: Yeah. So first of all, Brian, uh, you know, one thing we know is that vitamin E deficiency is extremely rare. And research has shown that vitamin E supplements are not effective in preventing cardiovascular disease. So the best thing to do is to just eat a balanced variety full plant-based diet and we will get our daily sources of vitamin E. No need to necessarily worry about a deficiency because it is so uncommon.
0: Good to know. All right, Laura here. All right, this is fitting. I'm going to stick with you. And matter of fact, I'm going to ask this of both of you, uh, but we'll start with you, Dr. Ramon. Laura wants to know, I'm the only vegan in the family. So how can I make some of the sides that my mom is making? How can I make them vegan? I bought vegan butter, but what else can I use?
2: Yeah, so great question. And it's great that you're thinking ahead. So In my opinion, the sides are the best part of Thanksgiving. So, uh, Laura, you can make mashed potatoes. You can even make gravy using mushrooms to make the sauce, cranberry chutney, cornbread, green bean casserole. uh, Let's see, stuffing, super easy to make. So there are so many options out there and pumpkin pie. There are so many great vegan recipes and there are many ways to keep it low fat and nutritious.
0: And Dr. Jazz, over to you, what are, what are the best ways to veganize some of these Thanksgiving classics? What are some of the tips that you can share?
1: Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with uh, Dr. Ramon in that the sides are the best part of Thanksgiving for me. Um, and at Thanksgiving at our home, we've done the same thing. We've made a um, a mushroom bake. We've done the mushroom gravy. We've done cornbread. We've done the mashed potatoes. You know, one thing, I, the, the tip that I want to share, um, Chuck, is oftentimes those who are meat eaters, when they're transitioning to a whole food plant-based diet, as I was, right, my concern was, oh, taste. Um, you know, I'm not going to be able to, the food's not going to taste really good to me. It's going to taste really different. Uh, I'm not going to enjoy it. Thereby, I'm not going to be able to sustain this. But what we have to remember is that when you prepare turkey, chicken, meat, or any meats, fish, you know, does any of that have flavor in it? No, it's animal flesh. There's no flavor in it. The flavor that comes um, really comes from herbs. It comes from spices. It comes from the love that you're putting into the food that you're making. And so if there's a concern at all about veganizing food and then having it taste um, good, don't have any fear of that. Because as long as you're using a lot of flavor, those herbs, those spices, um, and putting your love and attention into it, it's going to taste delicious. Um, That's my pro
0: tip. All right. Final question for you, Dr. Jazz, comes to us from Jory. Jory wants to know, are there any medical conditions that make it impossible or difficult to eat a whole food, plant-based diet?
1: So I wouldn't say impossible. Um, There could be certain um, medical conditions that might make it a little bit more difficult. For example, if you already have a malabsorptive disorder um, or if you're already on a restrictive diet, for example, uh, if you have celiac disease, right? And you're already on a gluten-free diet, it might be a little bit difficult, but I'll tell you, I have a lot of patients who have celiac disease who are also plant-based. So it's possible. It might be slightly a little bit more difficult, but it is possible. Um, If you have IBS and you're trialing a diet in low FODMAP, which is um, you know where you have to restrict certain num- certain amounts or certain types of fruits and vegetables and uh, aromatics like onions and garlic from your diet for a time. while you're doing that, it might be difficult might be more difficult to stay consistent with a whole food plant-based diet because again, you're just a little bit more restricted. Um, but for the majority, I would say that a plant-based diet is possible by you know to be tried by anybody. Um, and because a plant-based diet, Probably just doesn't look like how you think it does. A plant-based diet has been in uh, fashion in all sorts of cultures around the world for generations and for centuries. So if you're at all worried about, you know, if you can commit to a plant-based diet, open your eyes out a little bit, uh, try a new um, recipe, try a new food from a different country, uh, and it'll just open up your horizons. So,
0: yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Jazz. We'll wrap up in just a little bit. Final question of the day goes to Dr. Rahman. And Dr. Rahman, this one comes to us from Silence, wants to know, what can I eat to help with asthma?
2: Yeah, so actually, one of the things that we're seeing is nutrition can play a key role in asthma. So eating a plant based diet, there's some research evidence that it can help. Uh, we know that dairy is very inflammatory. So avoiding dairy and just Changing to a plant-based diet can have a profound impact. Now, with asthma, it can take a few months to see the full uh, benefit, so be patient with it. But definitely, just like it can improve joint pain, improve our blood sugar levels, we're seeing increasing evidence that plant foods can help with allergies, asthma, and eczema.
0: Dr. Ramon, Dr. Jazz, thank you both so very much for your time and your wisdom today. Thank, thank you, you, Chuck. Chuck. That question that was asked early in the set there, the one from Jerry asking how someone who was eating a plant-based diet could still have high cholesterol. That is such a good question and one that we get so frequently here on the exam room. And so it really helps if you take the time and you sit back and you, you really analyze everything that's on your menu. And then maybe you can get some answers and get the results that you've truly been hoping for. So I want to thank the doctors for going ahead and and clearing that up. Appreciate Dr. Jazz jumping in with that answer. Also, some good intel there on coconut oil and palm oil or no oil at all. You see, both of those are they're just contained in so many of these foods that are on store shelves now. So they are marketed as health foods. But are they really? Is that marketing kind of misleading? Seems that way. So appreciate you all sending in such great questions. And if you ever have a question that you would like to ask the doctors, whether it's Ramon or Sardana, Dr. Jazz, or Dr. Barnard, Dr. Neil Barnard, or Dr. Jim Loomis, any one of our wonderful experts, you can go ahead and send them to us on Twitter, at PCRM, at Chuck Carroll WLC, just use that hashtag, Exam Room Live. You can also join us Monday through Friday at noon Eastern on Facebook and on YouTube for the Exam Room Live every day. We open up the doctor's mailbag and take at least one of your questions. So that's a great opportunity for you to interact with the doctors right there. And we've put links to all of that, our Facebook page and our YouTube channel in the episode notes. All right, before we get out of here, let's go ahead and get a check on health headlines. I mentioned at the top that there was a meatpacking plant out in Colorado facing a second outbreak now of coronavirus cases among employees. Well, check this out. At least 32 workers at the JBS meatpacking plant in Greeley, Colorado, have tested positive for COVID 19 over the last two weeks. This comes after six workers died and nearly 300 others became ill during an initial outbreak in the spring. Meanwhile, the company's nearby headquarters are also working to contain an outbreak. 38 employees there have also now tested positive for COVID-19. And you've heard Dr. Barnard talk frequently on the show about the dangers posed by meatpacking plants. And the risk that is being taken by meatpacking workers every single day. Crammed conditions. Very difficult to do social distancing there. Putting them at high risk for coronavirus spread. And now you're seeing that for a second time at this single plant out in Greeley, Colorado. So let's keep an eye on, on that and certainly send our good thoughts to the employees there. And hopefully, this is just another sign that some people will wake up and say, it's time to get that meat off of our plate. And that's all the time that we have on today's show. I want to thank Dr.s Vanita Rahman and Dr. Jazz, Dr. Jasmine Sardana for joining us here and answering your questions with the Doctor's Mailbag. For everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe take a stand, and keep it plant-based.